Are you there, God? It's me, Tanner, from Bomb Squad Productions. I'm coming to you today humbled and humiliated with one simple request. I want you to kill Peter Parker. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Welcome to Bomb Squad Movie Night, episode number 125. I am your host and master of ceremony, Tanner Richard Kraft, and with me I have... Hi, I'm H.R. Puffin Stuff. I'm the mayor, H.R. Puffin Stuff. Hi, I'm here today to pitch my sequel for this movie slash spinoff called Are You There, God? It's me, Megan, where Megan goes and fights God. Jason Blum, call me after the writer's strike. I will fucking write this for you. It's like you're saying that science killed God. This is the part where you run. Actually, I just got a call from Jason Blum, and he told you to please stop calling him. And if you couldn't tell by all the God talk we're talking about, today we're here to talk about the 2010 movie Angel. No. What's what? that stupid fucking Angels on Earth fighting God's war movie? Oh, uh, Legion? Yeah, we're talking about Legion. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> we're talking about the hit movie. Well, not a big hit. Though a lot of mothers and daughters saw this movie, I think, based off of the childhood classic for a lot of people, myself included, even though I'm a guy. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. One of my all-time favorite books and one of my favorite movies of the year so far. But before we get into the movie, I got a warm-up question for y'all. This is going to be the most difficult warm-up question I think I may have ever posed because both of you guys were actively getting mad at me. What is your favorite movie based off of a book? Austin, we'll start with you. All right. It's tough choosing just one on this, specifically this question probably narrows down to Children of Men, based on The Children of Men by P.D. James, or Goodfellas, which is based on the book Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi. But we might have a slightly younger demo for this episode. So for the sake of not making the clip show too violent, I'm just gonna say The Wizard of Oz, based on the children's novel by L. Frank Baum. You can't bring the movie up in a literary context without mentioning that, like, popsicle stick joke trivia fact about how in the book, Dorothy's ruby slippers were actually silver. But the screenwriter, Noel Langley, changed them to ruby, probably to make them stand out a little bit more in Technicolor. Another fun fact is that in the book, everybody visits the wizard separately, and he takes on different forms for each person. So in the book, the Wizard of Oz is like the alien from the movie Contact, which is neat. I haven't slept in weeks. <laughs> Why don't you try counting sheep? <laughs> that doesn't do any good. I'm afraid of them. <laughs> yeah, this was probably my grandmother's favorite movie, so I watched it a lot growing up. It holds up extremely well, and the company Motion Picture Imaging recently did a 4K HDR restoration of it that looks absolutely fucking stunning. It still makes me laugh thinking about that old urban legend that there's like a munchkin who hanged himself in the background of a shot because people used to watch this movie on low resolution on a TV and couldn't make out certain details properly. But then once we got the film in HD, everybody could see it was just a crane that was brought to set from the Los Angeles Zoo. Yes, magical movie holds a very special place in my heart. There's so many famous stories about it, and it brought my late grandmother tremendous joy. Back to you, Tanner. Late to what? Late to life, man. <laughs> That's a stupid joke. Joe. Uh, we'll skip you. Austin, what's another... No, I'm kidding. Joe, what is your favorite movie based off of a book? I hate you. Okay, I hate you for, moving on. I, no, no, you, you, you gotta understand. I hate you because you sprung this up on me 
fucking day of one of these fucking questions. Um, so anyway, there's a couple of options that I could go with because I realize a lot of fucking classic movies are based off of books. Say, for instance, Jurassic Park, Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption. As Austin mentioned earlier, Goodfellas, The Fucking Social Network, based off real life, but also based off of a book. And I could honestly go on and on about like all those fucking great movies, but I was like, okay, let's look into my all-time favorite movies, like period list, and let's just pull from there. If there's anything that's based on a book, I'm picking it. And unfortunately, I've only got two. Two? The first one, the one that got me into movies, Spike Jones's adaptation of Where the Wild Things Are, where it took a really good fucking children's book and just expanded upon it and made it, like, something deeper than it actually was. That movie tackles, like, a lot of really heavy themes for a kid's movie, and I'm not surprised that kids just don't gravitate towards that movie at all. <laughs> I'm also not surprised that parents fucking hate that movie because they're watching that whole fucking movie from the perspective of a parent and not as the the perspective of the child. A notable example, my parents watched that movie and they just fucking hated it because they watched it as the perspective of parents. Watch. Don't say that! No, Carol! Stop it! Carol! Carol! What? That was my favorite arm! My other pick, I reference this movie all the fucking time. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. I quote it in my everyday life. It's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, baby. Come on. Yeah! Now, on the one hand, the Tim Burton one is more faithful to the book, but fuck that noise. That one's not as good. That one doesn't have Gene Wilder and like his dry sense of humor that's constantly funny, never ceases to make me laugh. Please, I beg you, Augustus! Do something! Help. Police. Murder. That movie also doesn't have incredible framework in its cinematography. Notable example, the antlers behind the guy's head at the uh, Augustus Gloop interview. I could go on and on about it. I want to talk about that movie more in depth one day, but I really fucking love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. What's that for? Gives it a little kick. So those are my picks, Willy Wonka and Where the Wild Things Are. Back to you, Tanner. Hell yeah. What if Guy Pierce played Willy Wonka? I hate you. One of the greatest <laughs> questions of our time. Where'd that come from? Well, a uh, little inside baseball here. I'm still trying to figure out my answer to this question. And I googled the time machine, you know, H.G. Wells' the time machine, to see if there was a good movie adaptation of it. And the first thing that came up was some 28% on Rotten Tomatoes one starring Guy Pierce. So it's just like, man, what if Guy Pierce played Willy Wonka? We, we are getting a Wonka actor from a science fiction novel, though, Timothy Chalamet with Dune. Regardless, uh, half of all of the great movies ever made are based off of books. If I was just going to pick the highest movie on my personal favorite, favorites list to say based off of a book I would have to say Forrest Gump but I don't want to say Forrest Gump God damn it. Uh, because the book fucking sucks. I've <laughs> tried reading the book. It's like unreadably bad. The movie is completely different from the book. The only good thing about being wounded in the buttocks is the ice cream. Or I could say one of the most famous and greatest Netflix movies of all time to all the boys I've loved before that is also based off of a book. Not a bad movie. Yeah, actually, out of all the, like, Netflix teeny bopper shit that came out in 2018, that was, like, the best one, I'm pretty sure. So, I let it sit with me, 
and I've decided I'm going to settle on picking a movie that I've read the book for. The Shawshank Redemption, which is based off of a Stephen King short story. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption is like the classic your dad's favorite movie movie. It did bomb at the box office, but did bonkers on home video. It's crazy how that's not allowed to happen anymore. Instead, it gets removed two months after coming out on Disney Plus as a tax write-off. I hate the modern industry. What can I say about the Shawshank Redemption that hasn't already been said by 30 people smarter than me? Count Monte Crisco. That's Crisco, you dumb shit. By Alexandre Damas. Uh, it's filled with wonderful performance. It's a remarkably well-written script, but more than anything, it's such an I find to be like that final shot of him in the rain. It's one of the most iconic shots in movie history. Like whenever you see like a greatest movies of all time montage, you're gonna see that shot. Honorable mention uh, goes to it, but uh, they can never make a good movie version of it because they can't adapt that scene. Anyone who's read that book knows what I'm talking about. See what these are? They're gazebos. They're bullshit! But uh, we're not here to talk about Stephen King's Z or Stephen King's Shawshank Redemption. We're here to talk about Judy Bloom's Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, based off of an iconic New York Times bestseller from 50 years ago that's being read all these years later, mostly by a lot of girls, but a lot of boys read Judy Bloom's work. Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret is one of my all-time favorite books. My mom introduced it to me, and I've read all of other Judy Bloom's works. Honorable mention to Tiger Eyes, which is a great one. That has a movie adaptation made by Judy Bloom's son. Fun fact about that, but uh, we're not here to talk about Tiger Eyes. We're here to talk about Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. A wonderful movie about a young girl going through puberty. Naturally, there are three men in their 20s here. We're going to start with <laughs> Joe Vrenick. What did you think of the movie? I never read Judy Bloom growing up. I've always Boom. heard the name. Hey, hey well, here's the thing. It's like, I grew up in an era where Judy Bloom and Judy Moody existed, and I always confused the fucking two. Might actually be the dumbest thing you've ever said. I, sue me. What? I don't fucking care. Love you, buddy. I, I, hey, I was a dumb fucking kid. I hate you. How'd you like the movie, my man? <laughs> uh, <t> <laughs> are we talking about a movie? <laughs> yeah, we are talking about a movie. A movie that I don't hate, but I like actually quite a lot. Are you Zarek God? It's, it's me, Margaret Simon. Please don't let New Jersey be too horrible. It was at this moment that she knew she fucked up. I like coming-of-age movies, so I think that certainly helps in its favor. So one of the things that I honestly like about this movie is the way that it tackles religion. Because when you hear a title like, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, and you're an atheist like myself, you kind of just roll your eyes and just go like, Oh, God, what the fuck kind of a movie is this going to be? And then you actually sit down and you watch the movie, and you're like, Oh, this is actually a really fucking mature take on discovering religion as a like a preteen maybe i could go to the temple with you sometime you bet you can really really one day later and what i especially fucking love about it it does not have any easy fucking answers neither side is right neither side is wrong and what I actually genuinely appreciate about it the most is that the main character actually kind of just comes to a decision and of herself. 
and it, like she's not forced into a corner about it because there is an unfortunate situation in America and religion where a lot of people are kind of forced into that corner and certain movies would probably have like certain characters pushed into that certain corner probably something made by pure flicks unfortunately but no not this fucking movie she comes to it herself which i genuinely appreciated i do remember i liked a lot of the performances the lead actress reminded me of a tiny tabitha ott show a clip from sheena's secret here But she's really fucking good. She's a little girl from Ant-Man, right? Yep. She's good, um, and I can't wait to see where her career goes after this. Rachel McAdams is always great. Kathy fucking Bates is always a delight. I like the set design a lot, but I'm also a sucker for that 70s look. And I'm just kind of rambling, and I'm also really fucking tired. I'm going to pass it off to someone else. Go, go, go to Tanner. Go to Tanner. You know, it's it's funny you bring up the set design because I think my favorite like silly little comedic subplot of the movie is the fact that Rachel McAdams' character can't figure out what the fuck she wants her house to look like. So like in every other scene, it looks completely different. I kind of really love that. Austin, as the person here who I think has seen it the most recently out of the three of us, because I saw it the same time Joe did when we both saw it in theaters opening weekend. What did you think of Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. I gotta mention that I spent last week just neck deep in Ari Aster films, specifically Bo is Afraid. Uh, that intro montage in this film set to Birds of a Feather, where those like young girls at summer camp were doing 1970s child shenanigans, was the strongest tonal whiplash I have felt in a long time. <laughs> but to like get into it properly, this is a pretty spectacular object. Famous author Judy Bloom, whose books have sold 90 million copies in 39 languages, has been no stranger to letting people adapt her stuff for film and TV, but Are You There God, It's Me Margaret was off limits for almost 50 years. But in comes Kelly Freeman Craig, right? Fresh off of the just spectacular 2016 film Edge of Seventeen with Haley Steinfeld. She emails Judy, they have lunch, James L. Brooks gets involved, and boom, the gears are in motion, right? Please, God, let it be a lady. Hey. Hey. Let's just put him back. No, come on. In preparation for this, I watched Margaret first, loved it to bits, then watched Edge of Seventeen and was super impressed. I'm almost inclined to say that Kelly Freeman Craig was overqualified to make this film because of how effectively Edge of Seventeen tackled its depiction of, like, a high schooler dealing with the perils of our significantly more complex modern society. But when you're adapting a novel this goddamn famous, it's good to be overqualified. This is one of those stories where I think the more accessible it is, the better. While religion is a heavier topic that this film only grapples with as much as it really has to, I think its approach to the way that kids put puberty on a pedestal is thorough enough to help younger viewers who might be having a tough time right now. It's a classic mistake lots of people make. Young people who want to be popular and succeed in romance often fixate on puberty and get really stressed out about it. This movie portrays the process of going through that stage in life in a way that I think is gentle but informative and will help people that age feel like represented but not overly simplified, you know? Thank God for the PG-13 rating. We must! We must! We must increase our bus! We must! We must! We must increase our bus!
giant props, just as Joe was saying, to the production designer, Steve Sacklid, um, who has been working on great movies since, like, 1999. For instance, some of his greatest hits, the 2011 Muppets movie, Juno, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, right? Okay, I love all these. Many of the interiors in this film felt so authentic to the period. I laughed out loud when I saw Nancy's room and her stupid frilly bed. Or the, the inescapable, like, wood paneling at Norman Fisher's house when they're all at the party. Um, most things felt very period accurate. This is a weird me take. Um, I didn't think Rachel McAdams felt period accurate. Not that her performance wasn't delightful. I nearly cried the first time that her parents were discussed. But her face just looks like it's from a more modern era. She looks like she knows what an iPhone is. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, wrap it up. It, it's a harmless little movie that captures the vibe of being a kid in really spectacular fashion. Well, you're lucky we saved your seat, or else you'd be sitting next to Norman Fisher. briefly took a bit of smug satisfaction in the scene where Margaret is, like, finishing up her paper and wrote that there actually was no God. Like, she reached the right conclusion. Good for her. Even though that's, that's not her final stance on the deity by the time the movie wrapped up, uh, it was momentarily quite based. Uh, yes, it's a sweet, harmless coming-of-age film that I enjoyed a, quite a bit. Back to you, Tanner. Yeah, that, that paper she writes where she's like, there is no God. I just have to imagine, like, that teacher reading it and getting to that last line and be like, I fucked up telling the students they could do whatever they wanted. I've made a huge mistake. He has that look on his face. I'm gonna get fired for this. Dear Mr. Benedict, what I learned about religion is that it makes people fight. But maybe the truth is there's nobody up there. Sincerely, Margaret Simon. It was at this moment that he knew he fucked up. I wish I had time to rewatch it uh, beforehand, but if you can't tell, I'm not home. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm on vacation, but the grind don't stop when you're on vacation because I insisted we put this movie on the schedule. You're the reason that we're doing this movie, so I'm kind of excited to hear your thoughts. I love this movie. It is currently my second favorite movie of the year. Rachel McAdams' performance in this is my favorite supporting actress performance all year. It's tiring trying so hard all the time, doesn't it? Abby Ryder Forston is in this movie is my favorite leading acting performance or actress performance and probably just lead performance in general so far this year. She is a remarkable kid. Yeah, child acting performances is hard and I think it's especially hard to be able to um, handle that balance of being like funny and also handle like the real life giddiness and also kind of horror that surrounds puberty. I want to get a bra. Oh, do you think you need one? One day later. Hmm. How's that feel? I cannot wait to take it off. Yeah. Welcome to womanhood. That moment in the third act when she finally gets her period. If either her or Rachel McAdams' performance is even off a little bit, it would feel so phony and inauthentic and stupid. But instead, it's actually a really sweet, really great moment. And the movie's full of stuff like this. I want Jew Benny Safdie father to adopt me. Dad's rock, baby. 
Um, again, I'm in a holiday inn. I can't get too loud. I love him, by the way. Not my favorite supporting actor performance all year. That goes to the white guy in past lives. But Benny Safdie in this movie, just like so fun. I swear I'm going to I'm gonna buy the furniture. This is all I need. Look at it. Like that moment he gets so exasperated when he's like, you called your parents. Why, why'd you, your parents? I thought we talked, just like, just like this. He's frustrated, but also he's just like. He handles it very well. Yeah, and he's like resigned to the fact that like, well, there's nothing we can do about this. So you sent them a card? They think you're going to hell because you married a Jew. They're my parents. Mm. Only ones I got. They are your parents. Which leads to what was both the most stressful scene of the movie and also kind of the funniest one to me. The scene where like both pairs of grandparents are arguing. Okay, I'm sorry. Grandparents, grandma, some guy she met in Florida are arguing about Judaism versus Christianity. I don't know. Kathy Bates got some solid fucking zingers in there. I wish I could remember them, but I do remember there being a few lines I found quite appealing. I also love the bit where like Margaret's like, I want to go to Temple. And then Kathy Bates is like, you want to go to Temple? And then she takes her to Temple. And Margaret's like, that is the most boring thing I've ever sat through in my life. (laughs) And in my experience, unless you're going to like a Southern predominantly black neighborhood church, most religious organization stuff is kind of boring. Well, thank God she went to a black church and got to experience what proper church is like. I was going to say, that's one of the better scenes of the movie. One of the better bits, honestly. Yeah, it's a good bit. I find it to be a remarkably faithful adaptation of the book, especially some of the harder moments in this, because, like, you look at the trailers for this, and you might think it's a silly, goofy period, puberty comedy, period, double entendre, but it has this, like, very real moment between Margaret and that, like, kind of fake friend she has, uh, Nancy, right? Yeah. Nancy Wheeler, by the way, that's the character's name. No relation to the Stranger Things character. If anything, it wouldn't surprise me if the Stranger Things character is at least in part named after her, because that's her name in the book, too. But uh, the moment where um, after Nancy sends that postcard saying, I got my period, and then at that restaurant, she then actually gets her period, and Margaret realizes that she just fucking lied to her. The ultimate betrayal. She got her period, sweetie. Does she always act like that? What's her first time. She's just a little scared. That happens. You're going to have some people in your life that you think are your friends, but they're actually just these fake fucking people. And I don't know, I think around 12 years old is probably when I learned that lesson myself. And I think the movie handles it with such poise and grace and like... Even though Nancy did a shitty thing, I still feel like the movie treats Nancy with some semblance of respect. Sort of. In the end, Nancy is a butt monkey. She's like, they're all at the carnival dancing, and Nancy's obsessed with, like, the fishbowl toss game thing. And Nancy's just, like, frustrated, like a a footloose character. Like, why are these people not having fun with me? Like, she doesn't really get a redemption arc at the end of the movie. She doesn't get redemption, but, like, I don't think the movie ever, like, treats her like the worst person in the world. Yeah, she's even the one who introduces Margaret to everybody when she first moves into the neighborhood. Yeah, like, she's a fake friend, but she's also not horrible. You know, that happens. More true to life, yeah. Oh, hello. Nancy Wheeler. I live in the bigger house up the street. 
I love the little arc about how like because this is I didn't remember from the book that tall girl that kind of went through puberty early and how much shit she got for it. I, I didn't remember that at all. So the um I, I really like that moment. And I actually remember tearing up when um Margaret like was like, hey, tall girl, tall girl two Netflix's own. Would you like to dance with me? And then a butterfly by Crazy Town started playing. Hey, sugar mama, come and dance with me. The smartest thing you ever did was take a chance with me. Overall, I love the movie. I think it's a faithful adaptation of one of my favorite books. It took 50 years for it to finally get made, but I'm glad it did, and I'm glad Kelly Furman Craig was the one that did it because I don't think we have a better coming of age director than her right now. Yeah, maybe Linklater, but he's a guy. It's, it's kind of important this was made by a lady. And also, when was Linklater's last coming of age? Um... Oh, okay, I guess Apollo 11 and a half kind of counts. Or 10 and a half kind of counts. Yeah. But before that... Um... Okay, he made Boyhood. Yeah. This is... Okay, never mind, I'm wrong. We're cutting to commercial because I'm stupid. See you in a minute. Bye. Welcome back, uh, from commercial break for another ad. MoviePalette.com that's right, ladies and gentlemen, if you have ever wanted one of those Instagram aesthetic-ass pieces of art, you can order one of your very own. I'm sure that if you wanted to, you can find one for The Preacher's Wife, or maybe a real movie. But before you actually check out, enter the promo code SQUAD15 to save 15% off your order. And now, back to the show. Let's uh, get right into our uh, general discussion slash, I guess, trivia corner. Who's got something they want to discuss generally about God and Margaret? It is so wonderful seeing Kathy Bates in a film again. I had no idea, but she's battled, like, ovarian cancer and breast cancer. We are so lucky she's still with us. It's a miracle. I think the last time most people saw her was, like, Richard Jewell? So it's nice in this film that she gets to play, like, the confident, kind grandma who hooks up with Wilbur Fitzgerald and takes her daughter to see Pirates of Penzance. Good for her, you know? She's a treasure. How's New Jersey? Are you okay? You can tell me the truth. You know, it's actually not that bad. Fatality. Uh, fun fact though, trivia. About 31 minutes and 18 seconds into the movie, you see a little puppy dog going on a walk, right? But attached to that little puppy dog... Is Judy Bloom. The author of the book, Judy Bloom, and her husband of 36 years, former Columbia law professor and film producer, George Cooper. Boom! Fun fact about that cameo, Tanner didn't even realize it was her until I pointed it out. Yeah, I felt really stupid about it. I don't know how I missed her, because Judy Bloom to me is very recognizable. It was funny, too, because I was just like, I never had seen Judy Bloom's face prior to seeing that movie. And I just was like, oh, we're watching the pre-show at the Alamo. Judy Bloom's being interviewed, and then I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, oh, that's the lady that was being interviewed in the pre-show earlier. And then I mentioned that to Tanner, and he's like, what? She's in? In this tanner this is just another way of me saying i hate you you gotta stop that joe yeah can can we get a, a i hate you tanner counter for this episode Ding. i think it needs it um all right joe now you gotta commit to the bit i retract my yeah. previous statement yeah you gotta commit now uh, okay got it yeah yeah ready go oh, oh my god oh. are you okay ah just kidding <laughs> Can we talk about how I felt like I was briefly having a stroke when the fucking thing that shows up at the end of episodes of The Simpsons showed up before this movie started? The Gracie Films logo, yeah. The Gracie Films logo. I was like, what? 
And this is how I discovered apparently James L. Brooks is like a Hollywood legend. He won three Oscars uh, because he is the writer and director and producer of Terms of Endearment. What? Yeah, he produced Broadcast News, he produced Jerry Maguire, and he produced and wrote As Good As It Gets. Those are like some of my parents' favorite movies. Yeah, this guy's like an industry legend, and this whole time, I just thought he was the guy that gave The Simpsons a shot. Right. Which is true, because he's also a legendary producer on the TV side. This guy's won a bunch of Emmys, and it's not just for The Simpsons, though a lot of it is for The Simpsons. He's uh, been nominated for Emmys for, obviously, The Tracy Ullman Show. He did this 70s, 80s comedy called Taxi that was really popular. But the one you may know him best for is uh, The Mary Tyler Moore Show. He's the showrunner of that one. Absolute industry titan. And for some reason, it took me watching Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, for me to realize, oh, this James L. Brooks guy does more than make the funny shh logo in The Simpsons. I like to think he's like 50% of why Judy Bloom agreed to have this adaptation made. Edge of 17 was really good, but also James L. Brooks was directly involved because I think he also was a producer on Edge of 17. So he had a good relationship with this lady. Kelly Freeman Craig is like the only director he's producing movies for anymore. Based. Other than that, I think he just coasts on collecting checks for The Simpsons. Speaking of colossal figures, I don't care if this makes me sound suspicious at first, but I absolutely looked up the age of the actress playing Laura Danker, because during that first scene, when she shows up in class and they're like, hey, that's the teacher, I was like, yeah, that is the teacher, that's a fucking 25-year-old. But no, that person was 14 at the time of filming, so I'm just assuming she's from a family of giants. That's Shaquille O'Neal's daughter. That's Shaq's daughter? No. God, um, in, in lieu of making actual featurettes for this film, a good portion of my research was watching actors on the late night show and morning news circuit. One of the production stories they seemed to want to push during like that press tour was that Kelly Freeman Craig directed them to do the whole, we must, we must, we must increase our bust exercise in a way that was inconsistent with what Judy Bloom had like envisioned all these years. So Judy stepped in and corrected it. So now we have a definitive take on how the chance is supposed to be done. And then later I was reading posts in a 70s centric Facebook group full of like 60 year olds. And apparently the we must increase our bus thingy has been a popular chant since the book came out, which never occurred to me. I had no idea that any girls ever did this. You think I can do it? Do you think if I try hard, I can grow some titties? You just gotta do it the exact way it's in the movie. Cause that's, that's got the Judy Bloom endorsement magic. Hey, Tanner. Yeah? I hate you. Understandable. <laughs> Have a nice day, ding. Do you think any of us will look like that when we're 19? We must! We must! We must increase our bust! Can we talk about, uh, so, so uh, this movie was filmed in North Carolina, right? Yep. Not New Jersey, North Carolina. Do you know what else was also filmed in North Carolina around the same time of this movie? The Black Phone! Yes, because if you look at that party scene, like that graduation party scene, in the background of some of the shots is the Grabber's van. <laughs> what?! <laughs> Which makes me want to imagine, like, if they exist in the same universe, and while, like, Margaret's trying to figure out this whole period stuff off-screen, the most traumatic thing possible is happening to several children. Like, I want to see, like, like the, the grabber tried to grab Nancy Wheeler, but, like, failed or something. You know, it, it, it's funny because two of the characters in both films try to have a relationship with God slash Jesus. Like, Margaret's trying to find God, and then the little sister in that movie is having, like, conversations with God, trying to find her brother, to a point where she says the best line in the movie, which is, Jesus, what the fuck?
<laughs> I love that so much. I feel like Margaret could have said that in this one and it would have worked. I would have loved if this film used its F-bomb, because it is PG-13. Are you there, God? What the fuck? <laughs> there was a big controversy when this one was rated PG-13. Not because of the content. If anything, it was a controversial because it's like, this movie's about a 12-year-old girl. I'm Mrs. Webster, and I am here to speak to you today about your changing bodies. It's that kind of unfortunate dichotomy of these are real mature subject matters that 11, 12, and 13-year-old girls are dealing with. And because of the more puritanical culture we live in, you bring up having a pure... Now, it's actually probably all the breast references more than anything. That's probably what pushed it. But it wouldn't surprise me if just discussing the period got a PG-13. Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret has never been out of print since its publication. And it is also one of the most challenged and banned books of all time. Which is insane to say because you guys watch this movie. This is like a pretty clean, wholesome movie. And I tell you, this book is being banned more than Tom Sawyer. I saw a slate write up talking about how suspicious that it never showed blood. It was so suspicious that this movie never showed period blood. Because we're in this sort of um, anti, like, you know, uh, women's reproductive rights culture. You know, where like on period commercials, it has to be the mysterious blue liquid instead of, you know, red liquid that everyone has to deal with. Like in Violet movies you see blood all the time but in this movie about periods you don't see a single drop of blood and and that is disappointing it wouldn't surprise me if that's maybe a byproduct of them trying to go for pg well we saw how that went honestly i can't even really think of that many fucking objectionable things that make this thing a pg-13 it shouldn't be pg-13 it has to be how much it talks about breasts i that is the only thing i can actually logically latch on to and that is fair but like everything else though i like i can't wrap my brain around it it hurts i want to do a mad shout out to tony at clark's drug company store when he dragged out the whole interaction of Margaret and Janie trying to buy pads, I was just like, hell yeah, <laughs> fatality, got their asses. They put the pads on the little, like, checkout, like, conveyor belt thing, and the guy pushes the button, and it's the slowest conveyor belt in the world. And eventually Margaret just slams some Tic Tacs down after, like, 20 seconds of this bullshit. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's funny you bring up that uh, checkout clerk, Austin, because that character's name, the name tag is Tony. Tony. And this might be a coincidence, but Judy Bloom's next book after Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, was a book called Then Again, Maybe I Won't, which was essentially the same book as Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, except instead of a girl, it was a boy. I oddly enough related to it less as a child than Margaret. I still related to it. There was a lot of stuff going on there, but I never had a wet dream as a kid, and I'm also still partially convinced that everyone that talked about that in puberty was like making it up same like everyone's like you're gonna come in your sleep and i was like that never happened to me i've never witnessed it happening for real either i'm convinced it was like a like a psyop it's like the you're gonna eat spiders when you yawn look well, so the, the funny thing about that, the whole, like, on average, the average of human beings swallow seven spiders a year. The whole thing with that is that there's this fucker named Jeff in Connecticut that's swallowing 50 of those guys every day that's skewing the number. Classic. Fucking Jeff. I got it. Got what? My period. So going back to Nancy Wheeler real quick, fun fact, the actress that plays Nancy Wheeler in this movie is the actress that plays uh, Jim Hopper's daughter in the Stranger Things flashbacks. <laughs> the same actress, by the way. So that's just kind of interesting. Lots of Stranger Things connections on this app. Do they show Margaret celebrating Hanukkah in this? 
They did not, no. Anti-Semitic propaganda, to be honest. This movie's literally <laughs> Nazi shit. All right. Um, movie good, everyone? Do we agree? Movie good. Movie very good. It's one of my favorites of the year. Let's uh, get into our final thoughts on Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, starting with Austin. It's simple. It's heartwarming. And sometimes that's all you need in a film. Thank you, Austin. Joe, how about you? You know, Tanner couldn't yell it, but you know what? Rachel McAdams is a mom in this movie, and she's a really fucking good mom, so we're going to get it. Mom's Rock, baby! Hell movie yeah. very good. Go see it. Movie's great. Um, I wish it did better in theaters, though it did not awful considering uh, how this type of movie is usually performing right now, and because of the fact that there's like a 50% chance that everyone that saw a movie that started with Are You There, God, just thought it was pure flicks garbage. Oh, yeah. Instead of a movie that has this wonderful climax that revolves around a young girl getting her first period. But do you know who else has recently gotten their first period? I hate you. The person watching slash listening to this episode of Bomb Squad Movie Night. If you are listening on any of the audio platforms we're on, thank you oh so very much for listening. We really appreciate it. How about you go and then mosey on down and uh, leave a review? It helps boost us in the algorithm or something. I'm not a doctor. All right, I'm not a Jew, I'm not a Christian, what do I know? If you are watching this on Spotify video, we hope you enjoyed this uncensored version of Bomb Squad Movie Night, where Austin, I'm sure, has filled every frames with various amounts of period blood. How about you mosey on down over to our Patreon, where we are genuinely trying to launch real incentives soon. We all work full-time jobs, it can be hard sometimes. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you oh so very much for watching. How about you mosey on down to the comment section below and let me know. What do you think of Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret, the movie. What do you think of the book? What's your favorite movie based off of a book? What's your favorite book based off of a movie? What's your favorite movie based off of a video game? What's your favorite video game based off of a movie? And what's your favorite video game based off of a movie based off of a book based off of a TV show based off of a concept some guy had in 1947? Comment below and let me know. And while you're down there, <laughs> hit the like button so we know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so we know how much you love us and hit the bell icon so you can know exactly when we upload new videos tune in next week when we're talking about one of the biggest movies we've ever done yet hosted by our own joe vrenick here what are we talking about Yes, we're talking about one of the highest grossing movies of all time, one of the greatest movies of all time, one of the greatest comic book movies of all time, arguably the best Batman movie of all time, the movie that fucking killed the X-Files for a while. It's The Dark Knight, baby. We're talking about that. I'm scared to fucking host it, but it's going to be fun. Anyway, tune in next week. I'm sure we're going to have a great time. Bye. I hate you. I am not a crook. I hate you. See, this is how Batman gave all of Gotham, periods. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to womanhood.